You are now tuned into the Sociology Podcast. Sociology is a lifestyle brand that analyzes Chicago culture and connected topics abroad. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Or you can just stop playing with people's names. This episode of Sociology, we're going to talk about the cult classic Candyman, released in 1992. If you didn't know what the Cabrini Green housing projects on Chicago's near north side was before 92, you definitely knew what they were after 92. We're going to go into that. We're going to talk about the new version, the direct sequel that just came out almost 30 years later, the interpretations of the film, and more. Now, without further ado, Candyman. All right, so Q, J, Doug, let me know what y'all think. What did y'all think about the new Candyman, the 2021 version? Um, I'll start off. Um, I loved it. Every minute of it. It was it was good. It it um, kind of how they brought in the new Candyman. And then as you, you're watching, you know, at, even at the very beginning, they talked about the original one with, with Helen. That was her name, right? The white lady. Right. Um, and how her story, but it was all, they had it wrong. They made her to be the bad guy when she really wasn't. Uh, so then, of course, later you find out that, uh, I cannot remember the lead character's name. What was his name? Anthony. There you go. Anthony was the baby. Like, that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. When he went to see his mom and you saw who his mom was, me and my wife looked at each other like, no shit. Mm. Yeah. So and I love that aspect because it, it it then yes, it's a true sequel at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's you can tell it's different from the original because of who made it. The original Candyman was made by white folks. This one by black people. And you can see the difference in how things are done in both. Yeah. Would you like to say that, Q? I definitely enjoyed the movie, too. I'm usually not a fan of horror movies, but I did this one for the culture. But I actually enjoyed it, like, from the opening. I don't know if we're doing spoilers on here, but... No, no, we're doing spoilers. Like, we're doing spoilers. From the opening, how they kind of inverted the uh, opening titles. I thought something was wrong with the uh, projector. (laughs) Oh, me too. (laughs) (laughs) But like how they kind of put you in that mind frame and also just looking at the little pieces, like uh, JD said, uh, the Candyman title. So usually when they do a sequel, it's like Candyman 2 or they give it like some other subtitle, like a Candyman Return to Chicago or something like that. The Legend of Candyman would have been perfect if it was called that to me. Right. But in this one, they stuck with the name Candyman and it's not until the end you really realize why they didn't change the title because there there have been multiple Candyman. So Uh in the the original, we just saw one, but in this one, it kind of, with those shadow puppets, went through the history of Yeah, with the, the end credits, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like they're all different inter- iterations of the same character, like variants of Candyman. Mm-hmm. Shout but out to all the, the variants. Yep. <laughs> but all of the variants 
had the same thing. They you know, were, y'all, was... y'all talk about the opening credits. Um, I definitely noticed that, like the inverted, you know, uh, opening the credits. mirror image. I, yeah, 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 I when it yeah, started, I... I'm like, is is something wrong with the projector? Is it backwards? <laughs> and that was a what? nice touch. Yeah, because watching nice the touch. previews, because we went to the movies to see it, and watching the previews, everything was fine. Then the actual movie comes on, it's backwards, and you're like, y'all need to fix this. <laughs> you know, somebody messed up in the damn projector. <laughs> like, who, who, somebody getting fired today? But you know, with the opening credits, like, um, so I told y'all before we uh, started recording, I actually had to refresh my memory on the first one. Because right. it, it had been some years since I saw mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? I'm just I caught it. it on TV um, the day before I went to go see it. It was on Yeah, TV. I caught it. Yeah, I watched it on Netflix like a week or so ago. So anyway, um, basically, I think I like the opening credits for the original one a little better. I'm going to tell you why. Because when I was in school, uh, I, I took a film music class. And in that class, it talked about, obviously, the power of film music and how it adds to the drama. And like when you look at that, um, basically that area view of the expressway in Chicago, and you just got these words popping up, and that music is playing, it, it it still gives me chills to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like it still gives me chills to this day. So as a film fanatic, I kind of prefer, even though we're not comparing anything right here, but I just like the opening credits for the first one still kind of gives me chills. Whereas the second one was a nice gimmick and set the tone. To remind you who the fuck Candyman is, mm-hmm. you know I, I like that. I like that. So like, y'all y'all mentioned how it was multiple um, Candyman's. Um, so with the in the in the um the twenty twenty one version, I start with you, Q. Mm-hmm. The the urban legend um that Bert the laundry man guy was telling um people about about the guy that was coming out the walls with the candy and all of that. Right, and I'm gonna start with you. Like I said, I'm curious. Like, was that man, was that happening during the timeline of the original Candyman? Was that before the original Candyman? I'm talking about like in the timeline of the story, not necessarily the movie. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it happened in the after the uh, matter of fact, the original took place in the '80s. Okay, I believe so. I gotta double check the The movie was in '92, but. Well, yeah, so this happened before. Okay. So he was actually, um, I th- believe that scene that you're talking about took place in the 70s. Okay, so, so like, that was way back, okay. Yeah, so like um, he was a little bit eccentric, like going through, I think the only reason he started going through walls is because he was giving kids candy and then razors start popping up in them. So then people blamed him. So he kind of went in the walls to hide, but he still wanted to give kids candy. Like, mm. it, nothing was wrong with it, essentially. But I guess the way he went about it was a little bit weird. Yeah, so Absolutely. Shit. I mean, how many times you went trick-or-treating and your parents told you, hey, no, nah, don't take You know what I'm saying? Like, let's yeah. check that candy first. Like, I feel like it came from that shit. It, right. And like that's another thing that kind of connected the movie to black culture, because in black horror movies, especially if it's uh, re- uh, directed by a black director, it's different things that kind of get brought up, like what you just said: don't take candy from no strangers and stuff. 
One thing I did appreciate about the movie overall is that no black people, well, besides two kids in the past, but in the entire movie, no black people were harmed. No, I take that back. One one guy, the one guy, but he was wrong to begin with. But no black people were dumb enough to say yeah, he was tripping. Yeah, he was tripping. He was tripping. Yeah. It was like all look, look. Yeah. I felt I felt so much joy. I'm, I'm, I might sound terrible saying this, but because they was, gee, look, look, man, them, them white girls was pissing me off in that high school, man. They was pissing mm-hmm. me the fuck off, and I felt so much joy when he just massacred their asses, and a black girl was in the stalls just had, and he didn't even touch it. But, but what you <laughs> notice in that scene, the one who walked out was a little Asian girl. Yeah, yeah. she got the fuck about it. Y'all, y'all want to play people's names? Go ahead, play with somebody. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's what I, that's what I was saying earlier about the difference in the two movies. Because in the original Candyman, it was mostly black people that were getting killed. Mm-hmm. In this one, it was mostly white folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, you yeah. can tell the difference in who was behind the movie. Because like, ain't no black ahead, people go gonna be crazy enough, even though it's a fictional movie. We are not going to do it. I don't care. It's a fic- it's a fiction movie. Black people still are not going to say his name in the mirror five times in the bathroom. No way. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And like you know, the black people that was getting killed in the first one, like it was off off screen, right? So like uh, the thing that brought them to Cabrini Green in the first place, you know, when they were trying to investigate the murder of the woman that you know got killed by Candyman and shit, you know, we ain't see that, right? Mm-hmm. But you know, the first one opened up with with a white girl playing with this man's name. You know what I'm saying? The mm-hmm. very first scene, you know, she was playing with this man named Got Gutted. Um, I think he killed the psychiatrist too. Um, yeah, he did. So, yeah, he he was going crazy. And then you know, to y'all point about it, like the differences in the filmmakers, you know, creating the movie. I did some research, and I'm sure maybe I'll probably caught wind of this. It was a kiss scene between Tony Todd and, you know, uh, the main character, Helen, in the first one, but they took it out. And the reason why they took it out is because it was interracial romance. That's, that's what they said. Tony Todd said mm-hmm. it, and the actress that played Helen, I forget her name, something Madsen, I think, um, they, they said that the studios took it out because they didn't want to show interracial romance. But it's okay for a Black dude to have a mouthful of bees, though. And not only that, that's that's was his story in an interracial relationship that was that candy man story right because there has been like you saw the credits there there were different variations of candy man all come from him being killed by white people yeah um, specifically white people in authority right you had he was basically lynched by a lynch mob mm-hmm. um the little boy was riding his bike around and got shot by the police. Then you had uh, Sherman who got beat by the police. Then even the most current candy man was shot by the police. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And shit, CPD, Chicago police, races at a motherfucker. Yeah. They used to be racist at a motherfucker. Well, still are, I'm sure. But you know, what I'm saying is back in those days, the 60s, you know, during the original Mayor Daly's administration, they was fucking black people up, bro. So I do kind of like what you just said, Q, about how like if you look at every variant of them, they was killed essentially by a quote unquote lynch mob. How do you mm-hmm. want to define that as? 
you know what I'm saying? Um, all because he was in love with a white woman. And we've seen this story a million times in history, haven't we? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like somebody said that uh, Candyman was the original Get Out. Mm. <laughs> what y'all got to say about that? He was originally what? It was like the original Get Out, like in the sense of like, oh. you know, black men like getting in love well, with a white woman. No, it, but that was only that particular Tony Todd's version. That was his story. All Come the up. other Candyman, it was it didn't have anything to do with a white woman. It was just um because like the one that had that was killed in the store like he was buying something like they didn't have words or whatever but he was buying something he was stabbed in the back by a white man and lynched and everything then he came back and killed everybody who did something to him and even the the candy man of the new movie still had nothing to do with a white woman it was absolutely not he had him a sister he well no he well he you know they thought he was giving he was putting raisins in candy Oh, you so that's that why one. they went. You talk about that one, yeah. yeah, the, the, yeah. The, yeah. That nigga. Well, I'm yeah, about I'm talking Anthony. about that one. Well, no, not Anthony, but st- even still with Anthony, he, you know, yeah, he was he became Kenny because he was chosen to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chosen by who though? Chosen by Burke or chosen by Candyman himself? By Candyman himself, because remember he was going to take him at first, right? In the first one, when he was a baby, yeah. in the bonfire and shit. So Candyman like came back on like, "Yo, told you he was my man's." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's it's kind of like you know, Candyman like it's like one of them deadbeat fathers that went to the stove, don't show back up for like 30 years later. Like, hey nephew, hey son, you know what I'm saying? I see we doing big things. You know, I do like the um touch though about how you know um so Anthony lived in a gentrified Gabrini Glen. Right. You know, um, I, I do like how they touched on that um, and how, like, they basically acknowledged the fact that, you know, Cabrini Green today is not the Cabrini Green of yesterday. Right. And that, you know, um, a lot of people here don't really know shit about the past. And, like, I feel like that's... Because a like, lot of them yeah. never probably never lived out here yeah, or yeah, out yeah, there. Correct, correct, correct. I, correct. Say, so I don't, like, I don't live in Chicago anymore, but I know, I, I still know. But you're from here, though, you know. So it's right. like, you know, um, so like, I kind of like that angle. Maybe I'm looking too deep into it, but I kind of interpret it as like, you know, even Anthony. Because let's be real, black people do participate in gentrification too. Yes, right? they do. It's, it's not just white people. So I feel like even with Anthony. It was kind of like one of those things, like even though he was from there, he ain't know he was from there, right? But he ain't really know shit. So like the whole bit about him, you know, going to Burke and wandering through Cabrini Green, taking pictures and stuff, he was doing the same shit Helen was doing. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Doing the same shit this white woman was doing, albeit it was a different reason why he was doing it, but it's the right. same thing. And you know, it just as a sidebar, for interesting note, just to kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say here. So um, it was a boy that was killed in Cabrini Green like a year or two ago. I want to say it was like a year ago. A nine-year-old boy named Janari Ricks. I read a whole story about it because like the row houses are still there. The high rises aren't, but the row houses are still there. And in that piece, you know, residents were saying how like the new residents of Cabrini Green, the gentrified residents, don't want them there. They're like trying to push them out. You know what I'm saying? It's like they're trying to like erase all of the past. And Bert, even though his plan was maniacal and you know, he was tripping, let's just keep it real. 
Yeah. Do you think that angle is probably Burt trying to keep the past alive, despite how ugly it was? The way I kind of view it is that Candyman, at least this iteration of him, was like a black superhero. So like in the original one, the focus of the film was like the horror of the ghetto and Candyman was kind of used to represent that horror. In this one, Candyman represented the horror of gentrification and how he kind of came and only killed people that kind of played with his name. So first you had the art owner and the intern that right. didn't really care about the art and they were playing with his name, got killed. Mm -hmm. Then you had the art critic who kind of talked down on his work, Anthony's work, she got killed. He got got teenage, yeah, then like we, you mentioned the teenage girls and like at the end of the movie, um, even though his girlfriend said his name, she didn't get killed. And I found- You see who he did kill though. He killed all the motherfucking cops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, the original Candyman told her, uh, tell everyone. So mm -hmm. it's kind of like Candyman in this sense was protecting the ghetto. So in order mm. to protect the area, everybody has to kind of fear his name. Mm -hmm. So the more people won't gentrify the area and hopefully move out. So it's kind of like the uh, crazy guy who was trying to do it in the first place did get what he want. It was just the way he went about it was kind of evil, crazy. Yeah, very crazy and evil. I like how you said that, like a superhero. Like Candyman yeah, went from because that's even what, what was the guy's name? William, I think the the laundromat owner. I can't remember yeah, William his Burke. name. Yeah. yeah, so he even said that like we need to bring fear back into these people. Mm. Like they're not scared. They're out here. They're just coming out here, tearing stuff down, moving in. Mm -hmm. thinking it's theirs we need to make sure they fear us i mean mm -hmm. yeah what he's doing is ter it's horrible but i i get it like yeah mm. that's 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 deep i like that um because yeah like clearly gentrification don't fear nothing you know what i'm saying it's just like you know we see this land we see this real estate we don't care about your livelihood get the hell out and again, mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, when I read the whole story about Janari Bricks and, you know, just how the uh, remaining residents of the row houses out there was just talking about how the gentrified people treat them. Like, on 4th of July, they said that the gentrified residents was, like, throwing stuff at them off their balconies because, you know, they're living in the high-rises now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, just, like, come on, man. Like, you know, Candyman deserved to fuck your ass up for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Straight <laughs> up. Straight up. But, um... Yeah, you know, I do love how in this new one, uh, I, I love the performance of Anthony. What's the actor's name? Um, yeah, yeah, Abdul Bateen. Yeah, yeah, I loved his performance. Uh, I, I loved how, you know, just if you look at the contrast of his descent into paranoia, just like Helen's descent into paranoia, his was very, it, the pacing was very well. I'm going to say that yeah. the pacing was very well, like, you know, and it was like kind of parallel to his frustration with his um, artistic journey, you know, um, and it's like the more he became creative, the more he became the new variant of Candyman at the same time. 
I kind of like how they, how they um, had both of those storylines in his life running um, parallel like that. What other performance stood out to y'all in the 2021 version? Uh, not necessarily a performance for me, but the music in that movie was perfect. Yeah. Just, I, I'm trying to remember what scene it was that it was just like an eerie mute, some eerie music playing, but it was, it was just so captivating and it just kept you interested. Like, what, mm-hmm. I, I cannot remember the scene, but the music in that movie just, it was great. I think who I liked in there was the mom because she captured her role perfectly. As like, small as it was, it was small on screen time, but huge in you know impact. Right, like she uh, she was trying to protect her son from trauma, mm-hmm. and then he was trying to say to Candyman, she like, Mm-mm. and like, nope, don't say that. Sure if that were to happen to any of us, our moms would probably do the same. Like, better shut your ass up. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think her performance, even though it was small, was good. And Tiana Paris, her performance was pretty good, too. Actually, the brother, he was a comedic every time he was on screen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you always need the comedic uh, aspect of things um, to try to lighten up the mood. And, you know, um, I think it was you, uh, Q, that said it earlier about how, like, you don't really care for horror movies. I don't either. Like, I feel like horror is one of those genres that, like, if you want to talk about plummet, I think horror plummeted. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you compare it to the 90s, I feel like the 90s was the last of the great horror films, um, in my personal opinion. Um, but, you know, this was a solid, you know, modern day horror movie, you know, to me. Um, I think Jordan Peele, he was the executive producer. He wasn't the director. Yeah, he was the executive producer. Nia DaCosta was the correct yeah. director. And she was like, what, the first Black woman to uh, hit some sort of milestone? Yeah. Film at the debut at number one. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, she did a great job. And I think Jordan Peele is doing the best he can to, like, revive the horror genre. But I say all that to say, like, I came into this movie really not chicken horror you know what i'm saying like i mean i don't really care for horror like that but it was a solid See, movie. i do i I, I, mm-hmm. I love horror movies i do like tonight mm-hmm. i'm trying to watch something called uh what is it uh malignant i'm trying to watch that tonight oh, that's that how fucked up <laughs> that's like uh, yeah that's how i fucked up sound like some uh some cancer type shit some cancerous growth it's not like a blob or something it's it, um I, I i did i'm looking for but i i like horror i do uh-huh. um so I would I, but it's, you know since I'm older I I don't get as scared but you know you get the little jumps here and there, but mm-hmm. I was looking forward to this one and for me personally, it did not disappoint. I've seen other people talking about it, how oh it's too political it's too this it's too that. Mm-hmm. That's that's the point. <laughs> right, right, right. That's what Jordan Peele does, and that's what he's done in all of his movies. He's made some sort of point in each one of the movies he's been attached to. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's like the strong theme in a lot of Black horror movies. So, like, different uh, genres of horror is to me, if 
I see like a doll and sitting somewhere, I'm not finna buy it. I'm not finna touch it. But like horror movies like Candyman, Get Out. Um, there was another one called His House. Yes, I've seen yeah. that. That was good. And it's all, I hate to make this comparison, but it's kind of centered around Black trauma and it's kind of unavoidable. And I think that's like the really scary thing in these horror movies is that Black person minding their business, but the horrors of gentrification are going to happen. The horrors of uh, police interactions are going to happen. The horrors of having a white family judge you or look at you a certain way is going to happen. And I mm -hmm. think that's what really makes the film good when they can tie, like you said, different themes together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and you know, living in the projects, I didn't grow up in the projects, let me just make that clear. Um, I certainly, when I when Cabrini Green is Cabrini Green, I feel like I only been there once, all right? Um, because you know, it's all the way on the north side of Chicago. We're south side. Um, on the north. Yeah, um, so, but Cabrini Green, any Chicago Housing Authority project, it was nothing, you know, it, it was for there. You know what I'm saying? It was horror there. Like, you know, that's where a lot of gang wars occurred. That's where mm -hmm. a lot of um, violence occurred. You know, young girls got raped in stairwells. There was horror there. And, you know, I guess to your point earlier, it's kind of like this modern day Candyman is bringing horror to the gentrified residents. And it's like, let you know, like, you ain't safe here either. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, y'all want to create a new Chicago, but you know, it's the same, it's the same terror. It's just new victims. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like that's 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 one way to look at it too, because like, yeah, man, you know, when you look at black horror films, like what was that um, other one? Um come on, y'all, y'all know it, uh with the little puppets and shit. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Tales from the Crypt. There you go, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you know, it's like Tales from the Hood. Tales from the yeah, Hood. Tell Tales from the Hood, Tales from the Hood. Like, because we deal with so much trauma, it's kind of like, as Black creators, subconsciously, we put that trauma in our stories sometimes, and we flip it. Man, you, you know, know what? what I didn't even think of that. Now that you just said that about Tales from the Hood, about the different traumas that happen mm -hmm. in, in, in people's lives. Because yeah. the one, because the one that's popping out in my head now is the one with the little boy and the monster. Mm -hmm. and child abuse it's really most I, I can say um that a lot of us that are our age now we probably had near abusive fathers at some point you know i i will say my dad used to whoop my ass me and my brother he used to whip our ass mm -hmm. and i wouldn't i it was yeah it was kind of borderline abuse mm -hmm. and going back to that he was abusive to that little boy. He drew him as a monster. That's how he saw him. That I, I so you pointed that out. I'm like, there is trauma in that. There is it's black trauma. trauma in that. There's a lot of black trauma in that. It was trauma in the project. It was trauma to bring green. I didn't have to grow up there to know that. You know what I'm saying? It was trauma in, you know, Stateway Gardens, Robert Taylor Holmes, the Ickies. You know, uh, they all gone now. You know, it's all gentrification on top of them. That don't mean it wasn't trauma there. And, you know, I guess that's why a lot of people get pissed off 
you know, uh, at gentrification. It's not the fact that um, the projects are gone because, you know, you can ask anybody and they'll tell you the motherfuckers had to go, right? They did. They had to go, but it's kind of like now you got all of these people just that are displaced. Displaced. And then you got all these new people that's living their best lives on those mm-hmm. same grounds. Mm-hmm. That and not only that, <laughs> not, not only not only that, okay. I, I you know, I live in Portland. Um, I've only been here for like 11, 12 years, but my wife, you know, mm-hmm. kind of grew up out here. And okay. gentrification happened in, in, in an area that's known as Northeast Portland. That's where all the black people used to live. Okay. So as you're saying, gentrification is it's not that they're they're not mad that you know things are changing. I mean, some people are, but they're pushing people out and they're erasing history of the area. That's mm-hmm. what they're doing. Like yeah. there, my wife told me there used to be all these murals of you know black murals all over the place in Northeast Portland, and they're gone. They're still like some there here and there, but ma- majority of them are gone because they tore down the buildings, rebuilt, and the yeah. history of Portland, that area of Portland, is gone. So that's another reason. Even in Chicago, they they you're tearing down history and you're rebuilding but what you're doing is you're not making it better for the people who used to live there you're mm-hmm. bringing in all these new folks mainly white people uh, or uppity black folks that look that are going to look down on those people that used yeah. to live there or yeah. that are still kind of in the area but are struggling yeah which is going on right now in Cabrini Green once again like still going like people think of green green is completely gone it's not there are still row houses that exist there you know uh it's just obviously compared to what used to be in that neighborhood it's a small fraction but it's still there you know um and you know back to the movie it's just like i kind of get burke's intentions he was just crazy as fuck with like hell's wrong with you bro like relax like he's when he saw my man's arm off in that church i'm like oh my god <laughs> like the sound effects of it, like the, I'm like, oh, yeah, he kind of um, like a Killmonger from Black Panther, even though he was the villain. You you understand his intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you get his intentions, but you're going about it the wrong way. Right. Hey, and you would think though, like the whole movie with him, like manipulating people, that he would put up a more stronger fight. He got took out the game quick. When old girl like caught him with that knife, G, it was over with. I'm like, damn, that's it. <laughs> Even uh, Candyman had to say, I think he's dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yo, she went, hey, she went full like fucking scream on this man. Like, you know how scream in the movie, in the scream movies, he they used to be stabbing motherfuckers many times. That's, yeah. that's basically what she was doing to homie. She was just going crazy on his ass. I'm like, shit. Like, okay, I mean, I feel you. Shit, let it out. You know what I'm saying? Let it up. So, quick question. Like, the original Candyman, we talking about Tony Todd now. That damn coat he was wearing, like, that shit looked warm as hell. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I just feel like, you know, he could survive any Chicago winter. He got, that he got that from Burlington. Andre on the first. You know what I'm saying? That's where the, that's where the fur came. And the coat came from Burlington. He just stitched it all together with his damn hook. 
but that damn coat looks warm as fuck. Like, yeah, it looks comfortable. <laughs> comfortable. It looks comfortable. Yeah, it looks comfortable. Hey, hey, I had um, did some research. You know, they um they used to bring they had a hypnosis on set to hypnotize uh, Virginia Madsen. I had to look her name up. I knew her last name was Madsen. The woman that played Helen, they used to hypnotize her whenever they talked about Candyman. That's some wild shit. Mm. And like she actually passed out on set once from that. I'm like, y'all was wilding, dude. Like, you can't have a white woman kiss a black man. You got real bees on set. Real bees. I, real I yeah, bees. I read that like a year or so ago that they used real bees, but like they were that. like they were young, so they the stingers weren't very hard or anything. Oh, so so yeah, it was pretty much. And okay. um, so he would still get stung, but it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt as much as a, a fully grown bee. Right. But they yes, they used real bees for that. That's wild as hell. I'm not y'all y'all putting real bees in y'all mouths? No. Mm-hmm. no. Now that part I don't know if it's, if he put the actual bees in his mouth, but well, like when they, they said were like a mouth guard in there. So like to protect the inside of his mouth, but like mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I ain't doing it, bro. I'm not doing it. So that's that. Um, but it was good to see Tony Todd actually make a small cameo um at the end and they, you know, yeah. they de-aged him and whatnot to make him look young. Right. Um but it was it was I I didn't expect that. I didn't know they were gonna do that. Um but yeah, it was good to see him in there. Yeah, it was a nice touch. It was a nice touch. So I got Two final questions for y'all. Um, what the first question is: If you could say anything in the mirror five times to make it go away, what would you say? Debt. <laughs> Debt. Debt. Racism. Uh, bad food. <laughs> it's a whole mm. bunch of stuff, but definitely racism. I, I'll probably say Harold's Coast Law. <laughs> Hell's close law. Hell's close law. Get that shit up out of here. But not nah, yeah, racism, debt, absolutely. Student loans, I ain't never paying y'all. So I might as well go ahead and say that five times. <laughs> you know, get that shit about the pain. Um, and then, you know, my last question. I'll start with you, uh, J Doug. Mm-hmm. You say you're a grown man now, you don't get scared no more. Are you gonna say candy man five times in the mirror? Still would never do that. I would still never do Rosemary or, or Bloody Mary, none of that. Anybody who name I gotta say in the mirror, I ain't doing none of that. <laughs> like said, I know it's fictional. I know it's fictional. I don't care. I'm not doing it. Definitely not on that. I'm not even. The question that I had in the movie was, what if they did it, modernized it, and instead of saying it in the mirror, they said it on their phone, like do selfie mm. mode. Would he still mm. arrive then? I think he would, because uh, every every time he came, it was a reflection. So right. you didn't see him; you would only see him in some kind of reflection. Which and how they did it, especially the 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 two curators at the beginning of the two the art guy and the girl, how they did that was just it was amazing. That's interesting. That's an interesting take. So selfie mode, you know, portrait mode. You say Candyman five times. He photo bombed you. Then he behead you. Because, you know, I'm surprised they haven't done a Candyman challenge yet on TikTok. Because, you know, this yeah, right, right. You know, they didn't gentrify I, I thought that was coming. They gentrified the crate challenge. Now they're going to gentrify the uh, 
they're gonna try to start some candy man shit on TikTok. Um that's wild, that's why I would say it. But you think Candyman got more bees than Beyonce do in the beehive? <laughs> I think he's somewhere oh. up there with Beyonce and the Wu Tang clan. <laughs> Gee, I feel like Wu Tang got killer bees. Yeah, they got they got the killer bees, G. But I feel like you know, um, Candyman ain't fucking with the Beehive, G. Like the Beehive will get Candyman the fuck out of here, though. He, he uh, say something wrong about Beyonce. Yeah, he gone. We ain't gonna hear from yeah, him no more. Yeah, you say Beyonce one time, nigga. Like you're done. <laughs> ain't gotta be no mirror. Ain't gotta be no stuff. Just say, just tweet Beyonce anything, and you're done. <laughs> out of here. Yeah, shout out to Nia DaCosta. She did a an excellent job. Um, and me being a Marvel fan, she is directing the next Captain Marvel movie, which also um, what's her name? The I, Tiana Paris. Tiana, she's going to be in it as well. Because if you watch WandaVision, she mm-hmm. was yeah, um, she was in that, and she's going to be in that as well. So they're going to be working together again, and I hope she tops. She makes history. I hope she makes history again. Same way she did with Candyman. I hope so, man. Um, because you know it's a lot of hype for the next Captain Marvel, especially after we we really basically just got a little sample, super small sample of what she can do in Wonder Woman. Right. Yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I was actually disappointed about that. I, I wanted more. I needed more. But it's cool. It's cool. So you know, Captain Marvel, uh, too. I'll be waiting. Thanks for the info because I did not know she was directing, and um. Yeah, it's gonna be lit, man. It's gonna be lit, just like uh, Loki two, Ant Man and the Wasp, well, Quantum Mania, all that shit, MCU, yeah. all that. But yeah, I, I did enjoy the movie. I gave it a ten out of a ten. Uh, it was just from beginning to end. Like I said, the music, and for me, music. I don't really care for music most of the time, but in that particular movie, it it, it just set the tone. And I was just it it pulled me in every time. And that's how film music should do, especially in the horror genre. The horror genre, True. the thriller exactly. genre, yeah. music is a huge component of it. And when it hits hard, it hits hard, you know. So you gave it 10 out of 10. For this episode, we're gonna do hooks. So you gave it 10 hooks out of 10 hooks. I gave it 10 hooks out of 10 hooks. 10 hooks out of 10 hooks. What about you, Q? I will give it a nine out of ten only because it left me wanting more with the shadow puppets. Like I want to know their history. Mm. So the uh Candyman somatic universe. Okay. So would... and you think that you think it's gonna be another one? Because the way they left it off, like you know. As long kinda... as there's... I think it'll be hard to top. It, uh, it was kind of ambiguous, you know. So. Yeah. I mean, but how cool would they leave it at that? I, I am too because I think it'll be hard to top if they try to do another one. I think so too. I think so too. He just needs to go ahead and put that hook up, you know, and retire it. You know what I'm saying? Just hang it up in the rafters. Yeah. <laughs> well, you keep that jacket though. Oh, you're going to need that. Winter is coming. Winter is coming. You're going to need that. If you enjoyed this podcast, I ask for two things. Number one, leave a five-star review. And number two, pass it on to a friend who may enjoy it as well. And don't forget to subscribe to our other podcast, Mogul Motivation, from True Stories Media.